You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney, hanging out with my deputy editor, John Dixon, my esteemed deputy editor. I can't forget that, right? It's AFC Title Week, John, Chiefs and the Bills. How are you holding up? Well, you know what they say. In the postseason, any day above ground is a good one. (laughs) Is that... Is that something that they say? I never heard. Yeah, it is. I never heard yeah. that. Yeah, I, I do like that. There are four teams left, of course, the Chiefs being one of them, which is why we're still having as much energy on this podcast as we do. The Buffalo Bills, their opponent in the AFC Championship and in the NFC Championship, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers. We'll get into some of that a little bit later in the show. It's a great show for you. We got the latest news and notes surrounding your Kansas City Chiefs. We'll go back to Chiefs Browns and we will name our marinated takeaways. And then we will get into the Chiefs and Bills as we start this week. Our five questions leading into Chiefs Bills Week and how could we forget the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. And this is a good one. Not that they aren't all good ones, John, but I really, really enjoy this one. So I'm looking forward to that uh, toward the end of the show. I'm all a quiver. Yeah, see, that that's, that's the energy we need. All right, let's get into <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and the grand elephant in the room that the entire city is talking about. Patrick Mahomes left in the third quarter against the Cleveland Browns. Immediately, the Kansas City Chiefs, they said that he was being evaluated for a concussion. Moments later, I'd say probably 10 to 15 real-time minutes later, the Chiefs tweeted out that Mahomes was ruled out for the game. Chad Henney, the Henney heroics, come in, somehow will the Chiefs to this victory. And lo and behold, we are now waiting to see if Patrick Mahomes will be okay to play in the AFC title game. You don't want to be in a situation where you don't have the best player in the world. Here's what Andy Reid had to say on Monday. I just leave that with Rick and the docs. And because of the protocol, it's a no-brainer from the coach's standpoint. You don't have to think about it. You just have to go forward and make sure you have an answer if he's there and an answer if he's not there. Uh, I can't tell you from a medical standpoint where he's at. I mean, I don't know that. So uh, that's their decision. And. I just follow it. So, and you said last night um, that that Patrick passed all the deals. Uh, does that mean that he was or was not diagnosed with a concussion, and that it, it was an independent doctor's decision or the team's decision not to put him back in? Yeah. So um, he didn't. Yeah, he passed. But when, when you there, you still have to go through all the protocol. It's a there's a day to day plan on that and how they go about it. So especially if a player staggers right there and maybe they've got to go through something. So 
you know, that, that ends up being important. Um, and then uh, I'm sure you, you've chatted with him today, even though he hasn't been in the facility. What's the message as far as how he's feeling today? Well, he felt good enough not to have to do a press conference. John, I, I don't know if you could tell there, but it didn't really seem like Andy Reid wanted to talk about the concussion protocol and Patrick Mahomes too much. No, he sure didn't. And why should he, quite honestly? I mean, this is the thing, that, that there's been all this conversation about whether it really was a concussion or not. But to me, that just feels like fans don't want it to be a concussion. So they don't have the concussion protocol, this thing that's specified by the league hanging over the star quarterback's head. Right. And, uh, you know, once a player gets up from a play and he's obviously having difficulty standing, he's going to be in the con concussion protocol. Right. That's the end of it. You know, there that's he's gonna have to go through the protocol. And so they're Andy's right. They just have to follow what that is, what the league mandates, and then at the end of it, they tell him he's, if he's available or not. And there's not gonna be much to be gained from him speculating about what it's gonna be at the end when at this point the Bills have to prepare for two quarterbacks. So why is why does why would he want to talk about it? Yeah, and apparently the same game plan, as I'll get into a little bit later, because the Chiefs were not afraid to throw the ball on fourth yeah. and one with the season on the line, even though they didn't have their guy, which is just incredible to think yeah. about. Right before we came on, pulling the curtain back, we were about to record at about 1 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, and Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network came out with a report, and we'll play that for you right now. Concussions are not sprained ankles. You can't sit here and say, okay, it'll take a, a certain number of weeks or days. You, you, you've got a, a time frame for these. So you can't really predict concussions. So when you hear things like, hey, there's confidence he's going to play and he seems to be doing well and all these things, he doesn't have symptoms right now. Yes, that is a good thing. But you've got to continue to go through the protocol. And as we sit here right now, I can tell you, he is still in the concussion protocol right now. And there are steps to go through. They've got to increase his physical activity and then see if system uh, symptoms result because of that. That's part of the process for being able to get all the way through. So, yeah, I hear all the optimism. I hear all the people saying he's going to be good to go on, on Sunday. We don't know that for sure. But we will know that over the course of the next couple of days, provided he continues used to display no symptoms as they work their way through this protocol, Tom. So there's the update from Garofolo, and you can hear it in his voice where he is essentially telling, I think, the Kansas City fan base, and really, to be fair, NFL fans everywhere. Right, right. Whoa, let's relax. We're getting some local reports. Oh, it was a pinched nerve. We're getting some local reports. Hey, there's so much optimism that he's going to play. I'm going to burn one of my Chiefs-Browns marinated takeaways right here because it just fits. <laughs> changing the rules on the fly. And I'll make, it, I'll make this quick because I, I don't want to be on a high horse even though I'm about to hop on. I think there's just too much quick talk about a man this city has grown to love as its own. So much to putting Kansas City on the map, both on the football field and off the football field. We watched this person, person, remember, it's a person too, stumble, look dazed, staggering, couldn't stand on his feet. Granted, it was only for 10 seconds, and I know they're 
are people that are going to say, yeah, moments later, he was running back into the locker room. But there's just something that's been bothering me about just how quick everyone, or I, would, I shouldn't say everyone because that's not fair, but a, a lot of fans you see in our mentions and our comments that are just trying to say, okay, this wasn't a concussion. He should be fine to play. Is he going to play next week? Look, I want to see Alan Mahomes. I love football. It's how I make my livelihood. It's doing this conversation with you. This is how I pay my bills, right? I, of course, want to see Mahomes and Allen. But let's take a second. Let's wait. Let's relax. This game doesn't happen until Sunday. There's time to make sure that he's okay. It's a five-step process. This was a problem with the old NFL where there were segments like jacked up where, in a sense, concussions were celebrated. Mm -hmm. It's not a tough thing playing through a concussion. The Chiefs showed that they have a backup. And granted, of course, it's not as great as Mahomes and in Chad Henney, but they could win a football game against the Bills. I believe that. And let's just make sure that he's all right as opposed to just finding every reason in the world that, again, this man who was disillusioned and dizzy, and we know so much about CTE, and just assume, oh, he, you know, he's good to go. I, the, I get it because I understand how big the NFL is in our lives, how important it is. We want to see the Chiefs run it back. But this moment is not a dislocated knee. It's not the toe injury he suffered earlier in the game. It's his brain. And I know people are going to say, well, it's a pinch nerve. We don't know that for sure. And right. they're just being extra careful that his brain is not injured. You talk about the man. He's a 25-year-old. The next 75 years of his life. You want to talk about the football? The next 15 years of his life on the football field for the Chiefs. So that's just where I'm at. And, and it's bothered me since that. And this is the last I'll say about it because I know the people that disagree with me, this is the last thing they want to talk about. But that has been sticking with me ever since this Chiefs-Browns game. I couldn't agree more with you, Pete. I, I think you're exactly right. And it's, you know, there's two issues. One is the health of this person. As you say, we've grown to love this young man. And I think that's important. It's probably more important than anything else. But if you want to make it about what he does on the football field, then care about the next 10 or 15 years. Because if they don't take care of this the right way, that could be in jeopardy too. So I agree. I, I There's no reason to act like he's got to play on Sunday. The Chiefs could lose if he doesn't. The Chiefs could lose if he does. Let's let this young man heal the way he's supposed to, and then we'll worry about the football. I agree. And there's something I think to it too, and I know, and you know, and everybody listening to us knows, Mahomes wants to play in this game. He's sure he does. Yeah. begging this protocol to go quicker than it is. Again, as of Tuesday afternoon, it's still ongoing. We all know that. The league has learned over the years from some of the incidents that have happened, you sometimes have to protect the players from themselves. And there's Absolutely. a little bit of that right here. We'll see what happens Wednesday. That's time for the next media availability. We'll get the first injury report of the week. We'll post it to our site uh, middle of Wednesday afternoon. I'm optimistic. I feel okay about it. You heard Garofolo there. He's symptom-free. Let's see. But let's also relax and, and wait to, to see how this goes before we get super excited about how important the football is. Speaking of how important the football is, we have other injuries to talk about. And I'm going to go through them. There's a lot. We actually probably didn't talk enough about how banged up the Chiefs were in this game, even besides Mahomes. 
You have Bashad Breland. He, too, suffered a concussion in the game. You have Sammy Watkins with the calf injury, didn't play. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, your starting running back, he didn't play. Rookie linebacker Willie Gay, he didn't play. Rashad Fenton had ankles, plural, both ankles, injuries. He didn't play either. So I'm awaiting the news on, on those injuries. And to me, the one that stands out the most, and you could make a good case for a lot of them, is Sammy Watkins, because I don't think you necessarily needed Watkins and that version of the Chiefs last year to beat the Browns. And it got closer than, than we all wanted. We mm, got to keep that in mind, yeah. too. But the Buffalo Bills are a different beast. This is one of the top four teams in the NFL. Legitimately, you're going to want to be clicking on all cylinders. And we know how important Watkins is when you're playing these top defenses. Absolutely. And, and I think we ought to make sure that we say that what goes for Patrick Mahomes goes for Bashad Breeland too. Of course. The abs, you know, we need to care about this man's life and uh, his legacy in the game and we shouldn't rush him any more than we should rush Patrick. You know, we're we we're, we probably would all take Patrick over Bashad Breeland <laughs> if we had to choose between two players that the yes. Chiefs should keep healthy. But um, but it, it's no less important for him than it is for Mahomes. So we need to get that out there just so we make it make that clear. But yes, Sammy Watkins, um, you know, has been a huge asset for the for the Chiefs these last two postseasons, and it's very concerning that he wasn't ready to play. And uh, you know, we're going to be paying attention to that injury report tomorrow to see if he's ready, and that's going to matter. And I I think the same with with well, frankly, with all of these players. They're all critical parts of the team in their own ways, and um, uh, we'd like to have all of them back before we play again. Once again, I'll say it, the injury report usually comes out around three-ish arrowhead time, four-ish. First one should be on Wednesday afternoon. Other news with the Chiefs, the NFL changed the rules for offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy to interview with the Houston Texans, which apparently happened on Monday. If you haven't been following along with the Texans, they have become completely disconnected to their starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who is very unhappy with the team and some of the decisions that they've made this offseason. I think it started from the fact that ownership told him that they would involve him in general manager talks. And rather than involving him in general manager talks, they went and hired one. And it was another Belichickian person, which didn't work out the last time, and Bill O'Brien and Nick Casario, who may be a good GM, but he is from that same style of, of Bill Belichick. Deshaun Watson was not happy. The ownership did not follow through on that word. And ever since, there have been reports that he does not want to necessarily come back and play for the Texans. He, of course, has a nose trade clause, signed a massive deal heading into last year. The enemy has been on his list of head coaches that he wants. And so this feels like both, in my opinion, the NFL and the Houston Texans scrambling a bit to try to get Eric Bieniemy hired. And I think, and I've talked about his window for Bieniemy. I mean, we saw the window of Dave Tobe, the special teams coordinator, come and go. Now, I think Bieniemy, if he doesn't get a job this year, will continue to get interviews. But will he continue to get six or seven? Will that start to go down eventually? And he just becomes this career coordinator. And so I think both of these entities, the Houston Texans, and Bianami have great use for one another. If Bianami can guarantee that Watson is coming back and have a conversation with the quarterback 
I think that is an attractive job. Now, you have a long way to go to correct the culture, but as Ron Rivera showed us this year, it's possible. You know, you can get an organization turned around really fast. And I hope that for Biennemi. He deserves to be a head coach and deserved to be a head coach about three years ago. Well, and Andy Reid showed it too. You know, Andy Reid turned the culture around completely in Kansas City uh, right from the beginning of the, the 2013 season. So, you know, Rivera's example is a good one, but it's not the only one we've seen. And it's one that we've seen up close. So we know that that's possible. Um, I also think that this rule change is uh, pointing out something that has been part of the equation with a grand flaw for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That we haven't really talked about very much. And so now we're going to going to get that covered right at this moment. And that is that this is the third year in a row that the enemy's been deep into the postseason with a team. And it's more difficult to hire assistants as your head coach if they're involved in a postseason run. And so the enemy's been to the AFC championship game now three years in a row. And that just messes up the timeline for any team. And it's got to be part of why he has not been getting an offer to be a head coach someplace. You think about any, by the way, the Texans are a mess right now. (laughs) You think about any job though, in our day to day even, right? Yeah. We've all been part of some kind of hiring process for most of us, unless you're a younger guy who has your first job or something like that. But when you're in part of a hiring process, you have a number of candidates. I mean, you don't necessarily lock down on one single person, put all your uh, balls in the same basket. And so you can see teams when this rule was saying, okay, you can't talk to the enemy again until the Super Bowl bye week. Well, if it's the enemy and you like someone just as much, are you going to let that candidate, the other one from the enemy, go and talk to other teams and potentially get swooped from you? No, you're going to go with the one who's available now. So that has always felt like an unfair rule that is finally yep. corrected where teams can, as long as the Kansas City Chiefs approve, talk to the enemy and entertain the idea of bringing him aboard that change for the Texans on Monday. Apparently they talked to him. So we will see if they decide the enemy is their man. I, I will go back to it. I, I, I just think they have to, to appease Watson and make sure they lock down what I believe to be a top five quarterback in the game. How long did Kansas city? We waited right here for this type of quarterback. You can argue Watson Mahomes, but what I'm saying is, Franchise quarterbacks are not easy to come by. Mm-hmm. They just, you have to be in the right place at the right time. You got to really like a player. You got to be in the right distance in the draft or like in the, the Chiefs case, maybe not as much interest as you would have thought where you wouldn't have to trade up to the top five. A lot of things have to go your way or you have to be bad for a year. And that isn't always the best scenario. So, you know, if you can have the quarterback, I think you swallow some of the other problems with the organization. That's just my opinion. Final piece of news here, and this is a, a wood knocker. <laughs> Mayor Quentin Lucas calls the potential idea for a Super Bowl parade highly unlikely. So if the Chiefs were to win the next two games, which would be the AFC title once again, and the Super Bowl, there would be some kind of alternate celebration. I'm thinking maybe like we saw virtual Rock and Eve at New York where you maybe have pods of things in the stage or something like that, but no classic parade with the sea of red like we saw last year, John. Sea of beer, too, I think would be on the, a way to describe on that the cheese well. buses and in the crowd and everywhere. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's unfortunate, but it's probably the right call. 
you know, uh, Mayor Lucas was on top of this early compared to a lot of the cities. Mm-hmm. And uh, he continues to to try to be conservative and, and be concerned about public safety. And I, and I think that's okay. I would tend to agree, but not everybody does. We'll save that for the right. COVID podcast. Yeah. And <laughs> next week, get ready. Series of COVID podcasts. Tease that. Don't, don't never tease something. We can't pay off, John. When we come back, it's the chiefs and Browns marinated takeaways. Stay with us on the Arrowhead pride editors show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, going through the Chiefs and Browns divisional round game, thinking about some of the things from a couple days ago. Now that we've had a couple days to process this game, I already shared one with you. don't have to get back into the idea of, of people caring about Mahomes' man. I already gave you my place, so we'll move on to your first marinated takeaway from Chiefs-Browns, John. I don't need to be on a high horse for this one. Uh, I think that what we saw on Sunday was that um, something I, I feel like I already knew, but maybe not everybody did, um, is that Chad Henney showed that he can run the Chiefs offense competently. Not at the same level of Patrick Mahomes. Nobody expects the Chiefs backup quarterback to be as good as Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's just unreasonable to think that's even possible that the Chiefs could have someone as a backup quarterback that could run the offense the same way Mahomes does, have the same skills, et cetera. But we have seen now in the Week 17 game against the Chargers, Henny played very well. It was a loss, but Henny himself played well uh, at a very decent level. And uh, in, especially in the critical moments, he played very well on Sunday. Yeah, he gave up a stupid interception. There's, nothing, there's no other way to describe that. <laughs> But when it really came down to it, uh, he played very well. And that's all you can really ask of a back to backup quarterback. Yeah, and he and he did play in week 17, so he got some practice reps sure. in. But this was the first time it was meaningful football for him yeah. to the level of NFL playoffs in his life. Last meaningful game, so I believe it was week three of 2014, when he was replaced by Blake Bortles. So you go from six or seven years of nothing mm-hmm. to having the quarterback, the defending Super Bowl champions in their defense. And that is the first meaningful start since 2014. So I'll take the interception. I love my man on that 13 yard run, yeah. having no fear. I mean, this is, it feels like somebody with a dad bod just entering an NFL game and getting the Chiefs within to fourth and one. And we all know what happened on, on fourth down, just the incredible play call. I would tend to, to agree with you. I, I think the, the Chiefs can win with Henny. Obvious thing to say is that would be a much taller task considering sure. you're now playing Josh Allen, one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL. We'll see how uh, that shakes out. My first marinated takeaway from this game was the idea that I think the defense and their efforts were overshadowed by Henny mania a little bit. Of course, Henny deserves the credit. He came in and the chiefs needed him to have ice in his veins. And and he did, but that defensive stand at the end where I saw Baker Mayfield and I saw a quarterback that was playing well, especially toward the end of the first half before the infamous fumble rule and the touchback really ended that drive. It seemed like the Browns were playing well, getting back into the game. He had a rapport with his receivers. They were within 
the five points. They get the ball back with eight minutes left. It really felt like that was a moment where Baker Mayfield and the Browns were going to go score a touchdown. And who knows how the two-point conversion goes. And then rather than Henny needing to milk the clock, you're in a situation where he needs to get them into field goal range. And you were about to talk about it, but you got to kick a field goal with a kicker who's missed two kicks earlier in the day. I know a lot of people felt it. That was the first time since the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl where I said, this really feels like the season could be over. And lo and behold, the, the Chiefs defense led up the fourth and short for the first down. But after that, they forced uh, a punt and it was in the hands of Kareem Hunt from one of the plays that led up to the punt. And it was fourth and nine. You have this new school analytics. I bet you Kevin Stefanski wishes he could have had that one back. But just such a key stand for the defense. When you have a situation where Chad Henney enters the game, I know we just said that we'd, we'd feel okay about it, but you got to really rely on your defense first. And this was a defense yeah. first moment where they forced the punt and got the victory because of it. Well, and that's what we have seen from the Chiefs defense. You know, they, you look at them statistically, they don't look all that great. I mean, they, they're good. They, mm -hmm. they, they look good, but they don't look great. Their greatness comes through in moments like that. And that's what we saw on Sunday. All right, let's get into your next marinated takeaway. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm worried about Harrison Butker again. And I don't want to be. I don't want to be somebody uh, talking about a, a field goal kicker who maybe has the yips on extra points because I'm afraid that that contributes to it. So I don't even want to be talking about it or thinking about it. Um, I don't want to be inside Harrison Butker's head any more than anybody else. But it's a it's a real concern. You're in the playoffs now. Um, you know, a missed extra point against an evenly matched team absolutely can lose you the game. I wasn't as worried about it in the regular season. Yeah. But having said that, I think it's fair after seeing that windswept game uh, between the Bills and the Ravens uh, on Saturday where wind clearly played a factor in Justin Tucker's kicking uh, in that stadium. I think it's fair to point out it was a very windy day at Arrowhead too. Um, you know, yeah. winds were clocked at 13 miles an hour. I think there were gusts up to 25. That's not a good day to be a field goal kicker at any distance. I, I'm not as concerned about the initial kick, right? That's your first kick of the day. It was an extra yeah. point that he missed. Mm -hmm. It's a windy day at Arrowhead Stadium. The one that was concerning is the one that almost cost the Chiefs the season because it would have been an eight-point game as opposed to a five-point game when the Browns got the ball that I just talked mm -hmm. about. So yeah. even if the defense does give up a score and have to touchdown, they still need to get the two-point conversion. Um, and it's just way less likely that the Browns are going to be able to pull it off. Sure. You need your kicker to be on in the playoffs. You, you can't lose a game because of, of the kicker. And it had seemed like he had corrected his midseason problems. I remember him saying something to the extent of, I'm fine with my A balls, meaning good kicks. I just need my B's and C's to go through the uprights. In a sense, if you ever golfed before, that would mean like, rather than risking the four or five putt, you just two putt every time. You, you get it 
So if you don't kick it as well, it still goes through the uprights. You're not trying to go perfect on it. And it seemed like his B and C balls did not go through. And this isn't a case where you have a couple of games or even a week 17, for example, to fix it. This is the biggest game of the year coming up on Sunday. And if you don't have Mahomes, if there's that possibility, then you have mm-hmm. to make every kick. There's no right. choice at yeah. that point mm-hmm. because we've talked about Mahomes as the ultimate corrector just so often. Last point for this game, Chiefs-Browns marinated takeaways. I'm starting to feel like Daryl Williams is making Le'Veon Bell look a lot like LaShawn McCoy last year when the Chiefs got McCoy toward the end of training camp and you thought he'd be a contributor. He actually did contribute a little bit in the middle of the season, similar to Bell. And then you get to the postseason and, and Bell isn't really in the mix. And this would have been, you would have thought, a Bell game with Clyde Edwards-Alaire ruled out. But Darrell Williams is, is running the football well. And I think there's a thought process here. I got to be careful because I, I don't want to offend fans who love the almighty Veach. I love the almighty Veach too. He's made a lot of good moves for this team. But there may be some alternate thought when it comes to using these younger running backs when it's their time. The Williamses and the Thompsons and maybe refraining from bringing veterans in at that position. I actually like that Veach just has these flyers and he'll bring in a defensive back or a defensive tackle. Terrell Suggs, I loved that move. But now this is the second year in a row where you might have brought in a running back who is clearly done. McCoy, by the way, went to Tampa. Hasn't really been an impactful guy for them all year. So it wasn't even like it was just Kansas City. And John, this is your boy. Shouldn't shouldn't Thompson be getting some of these reps too when he's young, he's got these young legs, has some burst. You're missing out a, a lot of that growth and development when you bring in someone like Bell, who in your biggest game against the Browns, you went to your your third string undrafted guy instead of him. Yeah, he's my guy and he didn't get a single offensive snap on Sunday, which surprised me. I thought he might get a couple, but I also thought that Bell was going to be the Bell Cow player on Me too. Sunday. Me too. Yeah. And and so I was really surprised that they put this younger player in there and gave him most of the snaps. Um, and I think you're making a good point that this makes Bell more like LaShawn McCoy last year. But I think there's something that we need to remember about this is that Bell was fantastic on the Steelers, not so much on the Jets. Right. And I think that Bell's style was more conducive to playing for the Steelers at that time, not so much with the Jets, and maybe not so much with the Chiefs. You know, what looks like a brilliant, brilliant patience and vision behind an offensive line that's really good at run blocking doesn't look that brilliant and wonderful behind an offensive line that isn't all that good at run blocking. And I think that's it's fair to say that about the Chiefs. Impossible so. to know, too. And I'm out of the locker room this year, so it's not even like I can get some insight or, or try to figure this out. But I'm always cautious to say this because you don't know, but there does seem like a motivational thing with Bell. I When he was on the Steelers, he played like he was out to prove something. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like complacency over the course of his career, he, him knowing that he was so talented, but it it just seems like Daryl is running 
angry. Let's say like yeah. saying good morning football. He's running with a purpose. He knows yeah. that this is a grand opportunity for his career. He ran so well against the Browns, John. I'm wondering about even when Clyde comes back, is this going to be a true 50 50? Because before it was, you know, a lot of Clyde and then you would bring in Daryl to sort of spell. So that, I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking out loud about this, this bread beach thing and always bringing in that try guy. And I don't know if you necessarily need to do it when you have all these younger running backs in the room, including Darwin, you know? Yeah. Well, I understand that point. And I also thought that there was a strict rule about st not stealing the other guy's points from later in the show. But we'll we'll, we'll have to make that up later, okay? <laughs> we'll talk about it again. And that's another tease. A lot of deep teases in this Arrowhead Pride editor's show. Uh, coming up, we will get into this Chiefs and Bills game. It's only Tuesday, but the AFC Championship is on Sunday, 5.40 p.m. We're excited about it. We will ask our initial questions coming up next. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We are in AFC title week. It's very exciting. We've gone through the Chiefs news. We've gone through our Chiefs-Browns marinated takeaways. And now we're getting into our Chiefs and Bills questions. And I will ask the first question. And I just complained about people doing this, but it's the obvious question. And it's, who is going to start at quarterback for the Chiefs? One thing I asked Andy Reid, and I, I think this is a nice point uh, to go back to, I was wondering how much of the game plan would shift for the Chiefs strategic-wise, strategy-wise, if they have to go to Chad Henney versus the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, so when we were in the game, it, uh, there wasn't anything that I had to stay away from on, on this game plan uh, when Chad was in there and, I checked with Evie and Mike on it, and they were comfortable. I checked with Chad on it. You said just call it the way, the way uh, you, you had planned. So um, that's that's how we we went about it as we sat down there and gathered our information. You know. So typically, John, I would say, all right, Andy, come on, this is baloney. But he called the fourth and one. He called the fourth and one play to Tyree Kill. That's a Patrick Mahomes play that you call. That's not one where the quarterback has changed because if, if he was reacting to the quarterback change in his play call, that's a Daryl Williams run. We just talked about how good Daryl Williams looked. Run him right up the gut and let him go get that yard, you know? And so, granted, look, now, now you're in Buffalo Bills week. If Chad does have to play, I think the, the game plan will be altered, but maybe not as much as we would have thought before last week. Right. And I think we have to differentiate between adjusting during the game to making from making a game plan. You know, when you're in the game, you're in the third quarter, your starting quarterback goes out. There's not a whole lot you can do to change the game plan. You right. know, the plays that are on your sheet, the plays that, you know, you're trying to get in during the course of the game. So I, I, I totally believe Andy Reid when he says, yeah, we didn't have to change very much because it's hard to change very much in the game plan, an offensive game plan. And they spend a lot of time on that thing. You know, we talk about Andy Reid's playbook. They don't plan. It's not like they have access to all those plays. They've decided on which plays are going to work best against this particular defense. And that's, in their minds, is going to be more important than which players are executing them. So, yes, in the game you would expect Andy Reid not to change very much. That is not to say that if they have to plan for a game without Patrick Mahomes, 
they wouldn't alter the game plan in some ways based yeah. on what they think I, they're going to see in the bills. I think I, I think it would have to be slightly altered to the point of just sure. faster throws. I mean, we talk about, do we have time to run wasp? Mm-hmm. What Mahomes yeah. was asking was, you know, do we have five to 10 seconds to let this thing develop where Tyree kill can run that three pronged route. I don't think you have that option consistently with Chad. Henney. Joey, he did air it out in this game. Didn't, didn't really work out, but yeah, I think it's quicker. That was the low point. I think it's run heavy. I think it's getting into Tyree Kill and McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey's hands fast. Hopefully Watkins is back in it if you do have to change. And that is something we wonder as this game draws nearer is will Patrick Mahomes play? We'll keep you updated at arrowheadpride.com. Let's go into your first question. Yeah, I'm wondering if the Chiefs can continue to make the plays that matter. You know, we talked about this briefly in the earlier segment about uh, the last Sunday's game. And um, it strikes me that the Chiefs' defense is underappreciated by most fans of other teams because they're looking at the stats. And on the basis of the stats, the Chiefs' defense doesn't look great. It looks good. Yeah. But it doesn't look great. But what we have seen in the postseason last year and even in the last part of this year, is that the Chiefs' defense is good at making plays when it counts the most. I know fans think that the Chiefs' defense allows teams to get back in it, and these big we give away these big leads that we have late in the game, but I think that this is all part of what Steve Spagnuolo is doing in there. Once they have the lead... They know that they can trade time for yards. And if they score, okay, we've got a big lead. And even if Andy Andy Reid doesn't have his foot all the way on the gas, the Chiefs know they can maintain a lead when they get all back. And then at the end of the game, they always find a way to make that critical stop that keeps the other team from coming back all the way. And that's what leads to these narrow victories the Chiefs have been getting. And so the question is, can the defense continue to do that, especially in a game where they might not have Patrick Mahomes? We don't know the answer to that question yet. And it becomes more critical for them to get those stops earlier in the game than they have had to during the regular season uh, of 2020. Yeah, I think that is sometimes overlooked in stats across the board where you have better teams sure. and they're playing a little bit more contained and trying to let the clock run out. And I think that's why DVOA, you know, has gotten so popular because it's a, it's a better description statistically of what defenses are good and what defenses are bad. And yeah, I, I get that sense that that mentality is, is present with Tyron Matthew. I mean, he'll sometimes say things like that after the press conference where they, they played the situation and they know that they can control W's and L's by shutting it down when it's time to shut it down. And they did that to their credit in the biggest spot so far this year on Sunday against the Browns. I mean, I, I've already expressed, I did not know how that game was going to go with eight minutes remaining and the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands and they were able to shut it down. So good for them. All right, getting into my next question for this game. Stefan Diggs. 
I had an unpopular opinion on that morning show that I'm doing for Six Cent Sports Radio. I'll share it with you guys so you guys can hate me too. I think Stefan Diggs is the best wide receiver in football. It's just how I feel, at least right now. I'm not saying of all time, not saying the last five years because I like DeAndre Hopkins. I have a lot of respect for Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill who were all in the conversation. But to me, this year, the best receiver in the league was Stefan Diggs. And to me, it's the biggest problem that the Chiefs are going to face. We talked about Bashad Breland and potentially being in the concussion protocol. I have Diggs and his snaps by position up in front of me. This year, it's been 297 in the slot and 768 wide. I wonder if the Chiefs would do something where if Breland couldn't play, you throw Snead back out there because whatever assignment they seem to give Snead, he seems to excel. I wonder if you do get this Snead versus Diggs matchup Again, uh, if, if Breland can't go, but he also roams the field. And so I, I just think on every single play, Diggs is going to need attention. And this is the difference I have between Devontae and Tyreek. And we've seen games where it becomes a Kelsey game because Hill is taken out of it. And the Chiefs are fortunate because they don't have to force it in to Hill and they can go to Kelsey. And that matters in this too. I mean, the other receivers that are on the Buffalo Bills are some young tight ends. You have John Brown and Cole Beasley. That's not Travis Kelsey. That goes into it too. Mm -hmm. But every single week, everybody knows they want to get Stefan Diggs involved because they have to. And every single week, it seems like he has 10 catches for 115 yards. So I think the Chiefs can figure out a way to shut this guy down, injuries or not, and hold him. That 80 to 100 yard range, I think you're going to win the football game but you can't let him have these explosive plays where you blink. You know, they have that Chiefs capability with this guy where they, you blink and he's 80 yards down the field for a touchdown. And so Diggs is just a huge part of this defensive game plan for me. Well, unlike you, I didn't look up the positional uh, breakdown on Stiggs. Uh, on Diggs. Stiggs. Stiggs. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do the, the snap breakdown on where he played uh, during 2020 before we sat down to do this podcast, but I did watch the game on Saturday and uh, my goodness, he is a presence everywhere on the field. Right. Um, just like Hill is, you know, the chiefs use Hill, you know, in the slot and out wide, they use him for running plays. And that's the same kind of a weapon that Diggs is for the bills. So, yes, he's going to need special attention, and I think you're exactly right. If Breland is unable to go, that's going to fall to Legereus Sneed. And I wonder, uh, even if they're playing a, a zone coverage everywhere else, that Sneed's one-on-one with Diggs all the time, no matter yeah. where he is. You know, yeah. kind of a, a, a spy on the oh, wide receiver, and, as it were. And that's something that I think about. I mean, forever in Kansas City, well, we were waiting for the quarterback, but also waiting for that shutdown corner. Does Legarius have an in him to have a little Jalen Ramsey to his name? Yeah. You know, this would be the week to do it if you were to unleash that. All right, John, let's get to the stolen point. <laughs> well, you know, I've been thinking about Daryl Williams too. And uh, I'm starting to wonder now, um, as long as, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is still nursing that ankle back to health. Maybe they just go ahead and put Daryl Williams out there again. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he showed himself to be a really good player if they gave him the opportunity in that Atlanta game. And the Chiefs made it clear that they, that he had really impressed him in that game. Yeah. And then when it was week 17 and they're putting the starters on the sidelines, who was on the sidelines among the running backs? It was Daryl Williams. And now he's had a very good game in a postseason game. Right. And maybe this is the point where you say, you know, Clyde, you've done great for us this year. He's had over 1,100 yards from scrimmage this year, um, which is an excellent start for any rookie. Um, And why don't you just take a seat, get better, and we'll get you back in there next year and put Daryl Williams out there starting this weekend. Or if he's close to injury, just saying, hey, if we win, you'll be back in the mix for the Super Bowl. Yeah, they could do that too. We has got another two weeks to get completely back to health. I, I could see the Chiefs making this decision. I have two points on, on both both spectrums for this for you, Johnson. One that supports you and, and one that does not. <laughs> okay. The one that support you supports you is, you know, I've covered Andy Reid for a while now. You have as well now. And he is a very, if it's working, Let's mm-hmm. go with it, guy. We mm-hmm. see that with the offensive line at nauseum. And really, I think you see tendencies in that. Where if a guy plays well the previous week, let's see if he can continue to just stay yep. hot. And running back is the position, maybe more of any offensive position in the NFL where it's hot hand. Reminds me of like a goalie in hockey. Like This guy is, is going and, and he's running hard. Let's just, let's just see what he can do. You'll see that in whoever gets the first snaps at running back. Like this past week, Daryl was on the field first and he never left. Mm-hmm. So he might have just earned, even if Clyde is back in the mix, those first reps. All right, here's the, the point against you, though, John. Give you a little number here 161. Yeah. 26 attempts yep. for 161 yards in Buffalo against the same team. Right. And so there's that confidence thing, too, of, man, I had my best game of the year. That was the Clyde game, really. Mm-hmm, I mean, really it, was. Maybe, the, maybe the first game too, but uh, the initial game of the season. But going into Buffalo and the offensive line pushing around these light boxes, and it was an explosion. But again, it, it can go either way for the reasons we just mentioned. It'll be fascinating to watch to see who comes out first. All right. My final question, and it, it's about this game and really about the weekend of football we're about to enter, is. Who are you going to get in this Super Bowl? And I just think about the amazing possibilities. You have Mahomes and Rodgers. And then you like that, of course, if you're State Farm. Everyone's been making the same joke. But how funny <laughs> is it that these guys have been on commercials with each other all year and yeah. they could meet in the biggest game? What a what a great advertising ploy. And Rodgers, too, who, who a lot of people... and. This isn't talked about a lot in Kansas City, but a lot of people feel that Rodgers needs that second title to solidify himself among the great quarterbacks. And so this would give him an opportunity to do that. Mahomes would be going for his second in a row. You have Mahomes versus Brady, which writes itself. This is the guy that Mahomes will aspire to be for the next 17 years, and he could win a Super Bowl against him. Underrated storyline for the editor's show. I've been calling this matchup all year. Chiefs right, Bucks. Right. Well, uh, I was going to point that out, but now that you've pointed yeah, that out. No, I, I do. don't worry. I, I cover that for you, John. <laughs> and then, of course, the, the scenarios we don't want to talk about. 
the Buffalo Bills against either of the two teams I just mentioned, and the Bills have never won a Super Bowl. And so that's that storyline is right there. Sometimes I think you'll get to the final four and there'll be a team, no offense, Tennessee Titans, but one that just is not going to be a fun storyline in the Super Bowl. Right. And this time it it's the complete opposite in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think that's. I think you're exactly right. These are all good storylines, but the ones that include the Chiefs are the best. <laughs> yes, there's no doubt well, about that. They are. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Objectively, they are the the better storylines. Also, for the, for the a sub storyline of this final question is too is I'm eager to see social media this weekend because I think it's going to be a very very Bills friendly NFL population. This to me is going to be the first real game where you're starting to feel like the villain. Because last year, everybody loved Mahomes oh, and they were man. exciting. But this is, this is the first time where if you took a poll and you remove the Chiefs fans and the Bills fans, so they're, they're out of the mix, mm-hmm. what do you think the percentage is on the rooting? I would say it's, it's 90 or higher Buffalo. Well, people love an underdog. Yeah. You know, that's, we, all, we, we, we do too. I mean, we were falling all over ourselves last week congratulating the Cleveland Browns because we really understood what it felt like to be where they are right now, where they have had this stupidly long playoff drought, all this bad luck, these bad things that have happened to them. I mean, you know, the just the saga of the first-round quarterbacks that they've had. You know, right. they had the opposite problem of the Chiefs. They couldn't stop drafting first-round quarterbacks. And they never could hit. And yeah. they could never hit, you know? So I, I think we all felt that last week. I think fans across the felt the country felt that last week. I felt that we were getting more um we were getting more guff from other fans last week than we have for a long time. Like for that same reason. And I yeah. think that again this and, weekend too. And I'll say this. I mean, you just try to think about the previous regime and in the Patriots years of the last two decades in the NFL and those feelings about them. Enjoy these last two games because if the Chiefs are able to pull this off, you are the villain. Yeah. One <laughs> is going to yeah. want to see the Chiefs win a game next year. It's just the way it yeah. goes. I mean, you saw it with LeBron James and, and the Warriors to a certain extent and certainly the Patriots again over the past two decades. All right. Enough yeah, of that. you know, I hadn't even thought about that, but I think you're right, Pete. You know, <laughs> we could be the we could be the team that knocks off these two uh fan favorites. Yes. And nobody will ever forgive us for it. No. You didn't let the Browns through. You didn't let the Bills through. You just wanted it all for yourselves. And you know the Bills oh, kind of I've already been talking to some Bills fans who I'm friends with from my time in central New York and they think this is going to be happening every year. It is really hard to get to this level. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you gotta, and, and even for the chiefs and I, I bet you the feel the chiefs feel the, this way about the 2018 postseason is when you're this close, you got to get it done. Cause there's no guarantees that you're going to be mm-hmm. back here. I understand the chiefs have gone through three straight AFC title games, but who knows, who knows if Baker pulls it out, pulls the, the rabbit out right. last week where you're at, where you're at. Anyway, Exciting. It's going to be a great weekend of football. Yeah, it will the, be. the NFC Championship happens actually before the AFC Championship. I believe it's a 205. So keep that in mind as you're drinking some suds with your friends on Saturday. You're going to want to catch that uh, NFC Championship as well. Okay. Let's get to the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. And we're going to start this segment. There's two parts to this. We're going to start with the fourth and one play on CBS. Try and draw them off sides. Hey, hold on, hold on. 
They put Henny in the gun. Walk up, pretend like you're going to go ahead and quarterback sneak it, motion him back, try and draw him off sides, and then take a timeout. You walk up there and say, no play, everybody. Don't jump. There's no play. Just look at the body language. a play. Henny rolling out, throws it! Hill! And the Chiefs are heading to the AFC Championship game. Only Andy Reid gets it shot on a fourth of an inch! And throws the ball with his quarterback. There's no way! He shocked everybody! I mean, that is impossible! I've never seen it! Tony Romo makes his living on getting that right. Getting that call in that yeah. situation right. And that yeah. is how unbelievable the call was and that was something that you noted right away everybody thought that it would go down to one second and they would call the timeout yeah and the key to it in my opinion was calling it at that five second mark on the play clock and then i thought this was interesting this is from wfan in new york the show roberts and carton they had jim nance on to talk about tony romo's freak out it sure was amazing it's a great booth in kansas city it's close to the field so you can really eyeball it without playing it off the monitor. Right. And I wasn't so sure. You know, at first glance, it kind of looked like he might have it. They're talking but about I the saw the side things. judge come in, and he was going to mark it short. So we're six feet apart. Actually, we're closer to, like, ten feet apart in the booth. So there's no elbowing, no nudging. <laughs> it is what it is. You know, that's part of the beauty of it. You know, sure. you're not supposed to always be right. No, you and know, I thought it was... To be a fan... Yeah, I thought the best one of the listen, one of the best parts of Romo is that he's just real. He's authentic. You know, he says it That's as it. it comes out. Now, as you're getting ready to describe the the next play from the shotgun, the fourth down play, in your mind, are you thinking, "All right, we've seen this little act before"? Trying to get him off sides, punt, and then cross your fingers. How shocked were you? When you saw Henny roll to the right and throw the pass, were you like all other Americans watching the game, or is your perspective totally different on that? Well, again, I'd have to go back and, and hear the moment and hear the call. I think there will be a lot of shock in my voice because I certainly didn't expect it. Uh, but, you know, as, as, they're, as they're running down the play clock and it all appears – uh, as an attempt to try to draw the Browns off sides. And Tony's kind of taking the audience through this, and Tony's convinced. Look, you can tell by the body language, and he went on through all of that. And then all of a sudden, I know I said, it is, there is a play. You know, <laughs> and, and then Henny rolled I right and uh, completed the Tyreek. But, no, I mean, I had, I had no idea that they were going to actually run a play. But, man, it's just it's so fun when, it's, when you're surprised and you can react to it like a fan. This Henny sequence, again, if the Chiefs go on and do it again, this is one of those plays. This is one of those top 10 moments of Chiefs fans' life that we remembered last year when they were coming back against the Houston Texans. You know, like this is one of those moments for sure. You know, uh, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. When I was preparing era headlines on Monday morning because Tom had the day off, I ran across an article that I actually featured in era headlines, but there was a transcript of that segment in there. It was a, an article about how CBS had covered the game. And I read it and it's like, yeah, I remember all that. That was pretty cool. But not until just now, hearing it, did it occur to me how foolish we had made Tony Romo look. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it just it just didn't 
didn't really get to me the same way reading the transcript of it. Right. But listening to him, where he's saying confidently, oh, here's what he's doing. He's walking up. He's going to do this. And, and basically, the Chiefs fooled everybody. And right. that was the, the why the play worked. Play. Yeah, yeah, that's why it worked. Exactly. Because the Chiefs sold it extremely well. And credit to both Andy Reid, you know, all the players on the field, Chad Henney for that. Um, but yeah, it just didn't, didn't didn't even cross my mind how foolish we'd made uh, Tony Romo look, and it's not easy to do. Today on ArrowheadPride.com, we have your Andy Reid roundup and the full press conference from Monday. That report on Mike Kafka and the interest around the league in him. We also have our today Arrow headlines that. Tom Childs was actually working on Craig Stout's divisional round preview that has been posted as well as our final Arrowhead Pride power rankings of the year. Check out arrowheadpride.com. Thank you for joining us today on the Arrowhead Pride editor's show. Please rate and review us. We love ratings. We love reviews. We love all that. Coming up next is the Arrowhead Pride laboratory mailbag tomorrow for John Dixon. I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride editor's show.